What's up, guys? Before we start today's episode, I'm checking in ahead of time. I know this is unusual, but I wanted to give a specific shout out to Mike Skinner, and he's at Mike Skinner on Twitter. He put together a brand new theme song for this podcast, which you will hear every day as this podcast comes out. And I thank Mike so much for taking time to make this, using my ideas, formulating his own into this intro song. It's great. Follow Mike for all your needs with this stuff. He's great. Let's listen to the new song now. Huge shout out to Mike for that, guys. I mean, every element of that is great. The camera roll at the beginning and end for the film breakdown. Little NFL Films theme song remake there that is great with a guitar over top of it. And and listen, peak stuff for this podcast. I, I've been giddy all weekend to share this with you because Mike did such a great job on it. So appreciate him and appreciate you guys stopping to check in on today's episode. I hope you had a fantastic 4th of July and your grind back into work, workout, or whenever you listen to this podcast, find you well. We did uh, a nice little family event, got together, and saw some fireworks in the small town of Prospect, Ohio. Uh, not uh, not crazy about too huge of crowds, so went to a small town fireworks show instead of something bigger here in the heart of Columbus because the traffic is a little too chaotic for our liking. So wife is on the cusp of pregnancy here. We're a couple of weeks away, three, four weeks, who knows, where nature will take us in this endeavor, but we're getting close. That was kind of our last big event of the summer before we hunker down and settle in for this last month of her pregnancy. And whenever that uh, final moment happens, we got to be prepared. A lot of preparation has gone into it, still some preparing to do, but we're very, very excited. So uh, if you if you see a couple days, three, four days without a pod, it's probably the reason Something like that popped off. So we're very close. We're excited about that. Hopefully, again, you guys had a great 4th of July. Safe, happy, got to spend time with your family. Listen, I also saw uh, over the weekend where a meme was out that was like, on Monday, this is the 4th day of the 4th of July. What a weird thing that is. Like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was almost like like a war zone in certain neighborhoods around here. It's fireworks going off all weekend. And uh, luckily, our son is able to sleep through those things because... Not always the most fun to have a child waking up scared of fireworks or something like that, but seems like the uh, the city, the people, and, and at least where I'm at, I don't know where you are, had a good time with the extended weekend into a Monday holiday. Fourth of July lasted about four days, but it was a good holiday, good time, and that puts a bow on that. We are going to get back into our previews as we look ahead at this season. If you have not gone back and checked out, we've done a ton of different podcasts on a ton of different topics uh, in terms of getting ready for this year, the audio preview we're putting together. The entire offense has been covered through the offensive line. And um, this past weekend, I should say too, you really should go back and listen to the pod with Daniel Wallach. If you have not done that and you're maybe just circling back to check in on Monday, I had Daniel Wallach in who does a ton of different things uh, covering the the legal side of the NFL. Dan does a great job, and I and I really want I really would love for you guys to listen to this because if you care enough to listen to this pod, you obviously care enough about where the Deshaun Watson situation is going. So um, Daniel is on. Uh, he's had some spots on the Athletic, but he's in. He does his own podcast, Conduct Detrimental, 
uh, where they look at sports law. He's a gaming law and sports betting attorney. So he's got a ton of experience in this market. And he had some fantastic points about both CBA language and just general points about you know where this goes for Watts and what Sue Robinson's actually deciding when the NFL can actually step in and do their job in terms of altering the decision because there's a very fine line there between what they can and can't uh, change from Sue Robinson's decision. So it actually taught me a ton of stuff. So hopefully you guys can go back and check that one out. I know you probably had a crazy weekend. You probably missed that one, but it was is well worth your time because there's so much explained there about what's to come this week. We, we likely won't see an answer on this until the following week on the 11th when those final reports are due late. I would imagine late there the following week you would see something uh, decided at that point. But yeah, that's that's just, uh, I wanted to remind everybody about that podcast. We also did one with Brad Ward over the weekend as well, where we checked out uh, some of the people who would be most impacted in the Browns organization from a lengthy suspension for Watson. So, you know, I think it'll hit everybody differently depending on their job, all of that in terms of their role in the organization, both players, coaches, and the front office. But these are the people that we thought who are most heavily impacted now, future, whatever, by something like that happening. So we shift over to the defense today. This will be year three of Joe Woods' defense, which we know it's a, it's an interesting defense, right? It's a defense that maybe you don't love, a defense that you wish was more aggressive. They're very personnel match driven. They're very traditional 4-3 driven. They did get interesting last year with some, some movement stuff in terms of their front. They used this boss front, which is big on one side only. Uh, big on single side is where it gets the name, where they would slide everybody over. Uh, keep three guys on one side rushing in predictable pass situations and give a DN with a special blitz from some other location, sort of a one-on-one side deal to overload one side. Um, So they did a little bit of that. We know we've talked this past year about what they like to do with their cover four, their poach stuff, their cover three they like to run. Uh, One of the highest zone rate teams in the NFL, uh, especially one of the higher quarters using teams in the NFL. And then we know they don't blitz a ton I don't expect those things to change. I think Woods largely is who he is. We'll see what tweaks he makes this year, but I would not expect anything crazy in terms of who he is because he had the personnel last year. Now he's just developing it. We'll cover anything he changes, obviously, in deep details. We do, but not a ton of things I expect to change because you know the offense we're expecting to change whatever point Watson gets into the system because he brings so many different elements of what he does well, what he's been comfortable with, and he can do more than what the system usually asks of a quarterback. So you're obviously going to see changes arise when that happens. While the defense, it's much similar in terms of personnel, very much similar to what they had last year. So that means they can just get better at the things they did last year. And I thought by the end of the year, they hit their stride into who they ultimately wanted to be. So I don't expect a ton of changes. We are going to talk about the top two defensive ends. Next episode, we'll cover the uh, what I call the AYOs, all you others of the defensive end, which there are some very interesting DN depth battles that we will dig into. And then we'll obviously talk defensive tackle. We'll split up the big players and talk about those guys individually as best we can at the top of the depth. Defensive tackle kind of weird where with the tackle group, there's no real clear cut leader in the clubhouse. I mean, we, you know, we could guess about it, but we don't know. While linebacker will focus on JOK and Jacob Phillips and do it that way and spend time at corner and safety with the clear-cut guys. D-tackle's a little weird. Probably do one day with those guys, but we're going to focus on the top two guys that are king of the defensive end room and are so, so important to what the Browns do across the board defensively. So we're going to talk about Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney right after a quick word from our sponsors. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Miles Garrett. Where where do you start here? I mean, this guy has become everything the Browns hoped he could become. He has developed his game to new levels, right, uh, in terms of who he is as a player. He set personal highs. Last year, in terms of his production across the board, he had his highest pass rush grade in his career, which was, uh, as I pull up all the data, I like to have this ready to go in handy. His pass rush grade was a 92.7. He's had three straight years now of over a 90 pass rush grade. 91.6 in 2019, 2020 was a 90.1, and then 2021 was a 92.7, his highest mark. So fantastic. You really love to see that. And Miles has been healthy, right? I do, the again, the knock-on-wood theory here with some of this stuff, but he's been healthy, man. He had a little bit of an ankle injury, his rookie minicamp that held him out of the start of the season. But every year, other than this, uh, the Mason Rudolph helmet debacle, he's played a ton of snaps, 1,012 in 2018, 2020, 875, and 2021, 866. So he's played a ton of snaps. I think the eight mid-8s to high-8s to low-9s are the number they want to get at. 2018 was a bit much. He played a lot. So uh, they would probably like to keep that depth rotation working for him as they they obviously did that when Joe Woods came in uh, to the fold in 2020, got that number right where they wanted it to be. I expect it to be right about there again. So listen, he's special. He's a unicorn. He's ingrained in the city of Cleveland. He does events for the city of Cleveland. He's an active part of every element that is fantastic. And I'm talking a broad range of people. He is he's just such a great personality, all encompassing. And the person Miles Garrett is is as good and rivals the player Miles Garrett, which to me is it says so much. It says so much because the player, utterly phenomenal. All right. He enters now his sixth year in the NFL, and he's only going to be playing this year at twenty six, which is bananas to think about. He'll turn twenty seven on December twenty ninth. So that's important to remember. Although he's in his second contract and has been an effective part of things for five going on six years, he's so young still, has so much more to offer. His cap number this year in 2022 will be 12.961. 
So he'll start to creep up. Now, the 23, 24, 25, and 26, and I don't want to make anybody panic because the 23 number jumps to 29, 24, the cap number jumps to 32, 25 and 26, or 27 and 28, uh, respectively. So it does jump up. But I, if you've been listening to this, and I've talked about some guys like Nick and Wyatt and Joel and some of these others, the contract numbers are going to jump for a lot of these guys. So how the Browns sort of navigate the 23 and beyond contract sheet is going to be a huge, huge focal point. But back to Miles, who uh, just, again, the numbers are fantastic. 78 total pressures, 18 sacks, 15 hits, 45 hurries, three knockdown balls this year. He had 25 run game tackles, six assisted tackles, only four missed tackles, which is, again, nice to see that missed number so low. He had 30 stop plays, which is, again, a great mark in stop plays. He had four uh, one forced fumble, which he turned into a touchdown. He did a, a, an important thing to talk about here. His 2017-2018, I'll read these off. These are penalties against. In 17, he had eight penalties against. In, in 2018, he had 12 penalties against. 2019, in only 544 snaps, he had seven. In 2020, he had eight again. And last year, he significantly cut that down, only four penalties. We all know the Miles Garrett bad tendency of jumping offside at the worst time uh, in certain situations that, that I think drive everybody a little bit crazy where he'll take that step and be in the neutral zone. To see him cut that down to four I think is really phenomenal. He uh, he did not really have any diversity in alignment. He was outside of tackle in that wide nine or uh, seven tech, 791 snaps this past year. Over the tackle and creative schemes uh, to sort of move him inside to like a four eye uh, or, or a four tech. Uh, head up with the tackle he only had 68 of those and he only played four snaps in the b gap one snap in the a gap so he did not get inside as much as people thought he had 16 b gap snaps the year before for wood so they they cut that down significantly but what again what more can you say you talk about him what does he do best he can bend the corner at 65 275 as well as anybody he, he he his ability to stay low bend the corner without losing speed is as good as it gets in the nfl he has got counter moves. He's added moves, club swim. He's got the bull rush move that he's always used. The thing he thrives on is teams uh, accounting for him outside, both the tackle, oversetting, getting crazy, trying to get outside, or you know, committing extra help, a tight end in a, in a wing position, a running back in a committed run side protection, or sorry, pass protection side. Like that's what he's great at now he counters everything off of it and I would like to see him continue to counter more inside base moves maybe adding a consistent spin move or a, or a club rip euro step he did add a nice euro step he's put that into his game a little bit but more of that where he's got people so committed to his outside path that he's able to put the foot in the ground and hit somebody with an inside move now I know some of that gets dangerous if you're in contain role as a pass rusher you have to do your job first but if you get a guy like this, I hope the Browns can continue to use him in ways that unlocks an inside-out element to his game where he doesn't have to worry about being outside protective so often. That's how you unlock more of him. His snap numbers to me don't mean much, but the the the, the continual getting upfield after the quarterback, but having more freedom to work inside as well, I think would be really great for Miles' game and could unlock that 19-20 and 20-beyond sacks in a season. The run defense has always been fine. I think his first two years, Greg Williams had a scheme that fit him a little bit better for run defense. 
He is an upfield rusher so often in this defense that his run defensive grades have dropped down a little bit the past few years, but I still think he's fine. I think he plays the run well enough. We know he's paid to get after the passer. That's what matters most. But I think the way he plays the run in this is a little difficult because we're going to talk about Clowney here in just a second. What they do is they they use these two defensive ends to funnel everything inside and keep everything in a box. Nothing gets outside of these two defensive ends. So they're late adjusters inside, which means there's not a ton of run impact plays for them to be made because they're so often in that contain role. They lose a little bit of freedom, but they funnel everything so well inside, both in the run game and somewhat in the alleys of their pass game, the way they like to funnel and rally up to make tackles. I think they use these two defensive ends and the speed threat that both of them have upfield initially to really scare teams. So I'm not concerned about Miles Garrett's run game, especially as a weak side D end who's using most of his prowess to get after the quarterback. I mean, a great, great, fantastic season for Miles would be pushing 20 sacks. He is due. I mean, Aaron Donald is a freak of nature, and, and we, we know the way Pittsburgh's outside linebacker-based team structure and their 3-4 allows JJ or sorry TJ Watt to have so much upfield freedom as a quarterback that his numbers start to pack up. But if you look at any underlying statistical numbers for pressure, win rate, double team rate, Miles Garrett is consistently better there. It's just you have to have the surface level stats. So, I mean, a great year for Miles as he's defensive player of the year, and he blows it away again, 20 sacks this time, 85 or more pressures. That's the blow it away season. Replicating last year is another good season. That's good season. I'm talking that's phenomenal among the best in the NFL, but that's the standard that he has set. You would say a step backward would be what he did in 2020, where he only had 63 pressures, 14 sacks, 8 hits, 41 hurries, just numbers that regress across the board. You don't want to see that, and uh, I I don't think that's going to happen for him because of just how good he is and how the defensive skill has grown around him. I don't think we're due for that, and he's still so young in the peak. He's got you know, like four peak seasons, in my opinion, before you start to think some regression could start to creep in. He's just such a he's such a freak of nature, uh, just just player. I mean, it's it's bananas. You got to see him up close if you can. Just the physically way this guy is built, you start to wonder: is he from a different planet? Because this is no way we're in the same species. Uh, when you, when you see him sometimes, but yeah, that's that's all on Miles, man. I, I I even his step back is a good season, but when you start to standard up for what he is, making that push, he's made a push a couple years about being in the hunt for defensive player of the year. We know in 2020 he hit that late season around the Jacksonville game in 2020, where COVID got the best of him and he missed time. 21, he really put it all together, was on the precipice of making it happen but just didn't close the door in my opinion. So, it's there for him to take. And 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 that him being defensive player of the year is definitely something I could see happening. Uh, it's it's really not at all for I mean he's one of the favorites. I think it's him, Watt, and right now, I mean you got to look at at Aaron Donald as like the favorites. We'll see what Micah Parsons able to recreate this uh, up, upcoming here, but I mean those are the guys that stand out year to year. So, um, and I could be forgetting a couple. I apologize if I do. But, but just know that Miles' peak season is is defensive player of the year, and he could put together multiples of those. He's so good, wraps the door on him a little bit there. But he's, um, I mean, what what more can you say? You, you really, they do need another season like last season from him, and we have no reason to think they won't get that out of him. So Clowney's up next, and it's interesting the paradox between Clowney's grades and sometimes his performance. 
He's 29 this year. He won't turn. He'll play this year at 29. Won't turn 30 until the second. Sorry, 14th of February. So the calendar flipping over. He will. Uh, he'll turn 30. The Browns got him back on another deal that is, I think, pretty fair, right? Like his 23 year here, his cap number will be 1.6. The 24 year, um, we'll see what they ultimately end up doing. And I think this is updated in their system. He'll carry a 4.8 cap number. We'll see what that looks like. But he's on a, you know, he's on a deal here that. Um, you know, one year, $8 million contract for, for this upcoming season, four and a half mil signing bonus is what he received. Two mil incentives are available. So the Browns did some void years, some pay down the line as the cap expands out uh, structure here with Clowney, which again, I think that makes sense. He had a nice year last year, even though the grades didn't indicate the tackling grade, they had him accounted for eight missed tackles. So they put him at a 49.1 tackle grade. His pass rush numbers, I think were, were strong for 677 snaps, which is a good number. He had 2019, he had 712 snaps in Seattle, only 425 for Tennessee in 2020. Kind of back in his peak in Houston, he was playing what Miles was playing, that mid-high 800s, sometimes creeping into the 900s. He has not put together a year like 2018 where he had high marks across the board and total defense, rush defense, he was elite. But I thought he was good last year. I mean, his 53 pressures were on par with, like, 2019, he had 58. 2018, he had 63. 17, he had 64, 16, he had 58. The sack numbers creeped up, which again, some of the sack numbers are sort of luck driven at times. Quarterback holds onto the ball, a certain slide up or a slide right or a slide left that lands in your lap. It works in your favor, but the sack numbers were 11. That's the single highest sack number he's had in his career for a season. Pass rushing grade, like I said, was a 69.1, which holds sort of standard to what he did in Tennessee in 20. It was in the high 70s, his peak three years, 17, 18, 19. He had uh, a couple batted down passes, 24 tackles, 26 stop tackles, which is a good run defense-wise. The run defense is a little bit interesting. I didn't ever think he was a problem. He did have his lowest mark in his career at 62.8, but I thought he was fine. He forced two fumbles. I mean, again, I thought I thought he was fine in that realm. We'll see if they... If there's some indication that he's slowing down in that regard, but I just didn't get that vibe. He had six penalties last year. He lined up outside 617 snaps. We all thought he would have an uptick, like in Tennessee in 2020. He had quite a few snaps inside. He had the, you know, I think he had 35 total. He had 20 in the B gap. He did not get that. I mean, he has had some seasons where he's gotten in the B gap like crazy, especially back in Houston. In 15 in Houston, he had. Uh, 21 inside B-gap snaps. He had 83 in 2016, including 126 over the tackle, that 4-I or 4 technique. And then the B-gap, he had 24 in 2017. So those were kind of the peak. And then Seattle, the scheme got a little bit different in 2019. He did more in 2020. The Browns sort of put him as an inside. I think he's a really good inside rusher. So putting him over the tackle and letting him create havoc from like a 4-I, 4-tech with maybe a walked-up Sam Backer and an underfront is a good spot for him. So, I mean, 49 total inside snaps, not terrible, but I think that might increase. We'll see if it ultimately does. He played some really great games. We know the Chicago game, the Minnesota game, the Arizona game, Denver was strong. Hit a lull from week 8 to week 12 where he did not play very well grades-wise in those and kind of upticked at the end with a really strong close against Cincinnati and what was ultimately a meaningless game, unfortunately, but nonetheless, I think he's going to be a nice player for them. I don't know if he gets to 677. The hope here is that the Browns do get just as much health out of him this year as last year. He really, other than COVID, he missed that week five game 
against the Vikings. Or sorry, week four. Uh, was it? I'm 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 missing a game here. Week five against the Chargers. Apologize. He went out to L.A. and and he had an issue that wasn't a knee, but he had a knee issue in in warmups that caused him to miss that game. He tweaked something, and then he dealt with some other minor stuff late in the year. And he was you know kind of everybody was dealing with the COVID situation that was running rampant through Cleveland. It seems like a distant memory now, but that was a big part of the late season fold was just a lot of guys missing those late games and, and the Browns having enough bodies to finish the season. That's something we all kind of forget about. But again, Clowney is a very strong second defensive end. If the if the health maintains, he gets close to six, seven hundred snaps. There is no reason with his skill set that he cannot replicate exactly what he put up last year. I mean, a great season is getting back to that 2018, uh, 16 through 18 Houston run at the end, where he's up into the low 60s, mid 60s in pressures, continues to put that in 8 to 11 sack range, gets those hurries in the low 40s where he was. That to me is a great outcome for him. Makes, I mean, he had three seasons with 38, 40, and 41 stop tackles. I would love to see him push that impact in the run game a little bit north. I expect he will. Uh, but but again, that's that's what you're hoping for. That's a great season. If you were to just replicate replicate last year, it's a good season for me. That's a fine season. No problem with that. Where you start to get worried is like you look at 2020 Tennessee, missed time with injury, missed a large portion. He only played 425 total snaps, had no sacks, you know, 28 total pressures, but no sacks, six hits, 22 quarterback hurries. That would be a bummer of a season where he only plays eight or nine games, gets hurt, nicked up, misses several games, never gets in a rhythm. And is just, you know, and this is an outcome that could happen for him. He's always been a guy that's dealt with injuries. He had a clean year last year, but he's dealt with some injuries in his career. That would be the bad outcome though, right? Like that Tennessee based 2020 outcome. But I don't, again, there's no reason to sit here and think that would happen other than just pure conjecture. So um, if you want to look at it negatively, I know I always do my preseason. What's the worst possible outcome scenario? We'll get to that later. But to me, that's one of the worst possible outcomes that Clowney could have. And I know the Browns are expecting a lot out of him. We will get to the other defensive ends in the coming days. Actually, just tomorrow, really, we'll cover the rest of them. Winovich, Rochelle, Alex Wright, uh, Isaiah Thomas. We'll talk about everybody they have at that position and their odds of making the roster and what that could look like for them, what their potential role could be. So plenty to still talk about with defensive end, but I wanted to give Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney their solo day because those guys deserve it. They're a huge, huge, huge part of this defense that makes everything tick from the front end to the back end of what they do. They need these guys to be really good this year if they have aspirations of making up for lost time at quarterback, keeping them afloat until that situation gets resolved. They have to be really good. So pressure is on. We'll talk about some more guys on defense who also have pressure to figure it out this year and be really dominant because they do need this defense to be really dominant. We will check in tomorrow with more on defensive end, update you on anything that happens across the league. Maybe another fake Baker Mayfield rumor will come out as we see one of those happen like every two weeks. It just is the funniest almost traded thing ever at this point. How many times we've seen talks are ongoing. They're on the cusp. They're close. It's just like, come on, man, stop doing that. You don't have to do it. The trade will happen. It'll happen. Neither team are going to leak it. Stop trying to do that. You don't have a source on this. Wasting your time. If you want to figure out who that is, you can go to my Twitter feed and see who was retweeted. It's a, it's a big waste of time. Uh, anyway, guys, have a great Tuesday at this point. I appreciate you checking in. Again, hopefully your 4th of July was a fantastic 4th of July. 
with your uh, with you and uh, you know for you and the one you love the ones you love because I know ours was great. So closing this pod with the way we always do appreciate your support at the OBR on the website, the Twitch, or this podcast. Thanks so much again for joining today's show. Have a great day. Shout out to Mike again for the great new intro as our former intro instrumentals now carry us out of this pod. Appreciate you guys. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.